0: Previously on the Reroll Podcast, Kiaren and Treebark reconcile their differences—at least well enough to actually meet. Pleasure. Well, kind of.
1: She'll I squeeze mean, tight if he goes tighter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he squeezes even tighter. All right, give me, give me. a...
2: Uh,
0: don't have any dice out. So. Tree Bark shares with Star the horrible history behind her new weapon. This is an elf bane dagger. Won't stop her from using it, but...
3: I'll do my best to do good with it, despite what it was made for.
0: Flint and Raven contemplate their next move. I need Davy's head on a fucking platter, and this... This Cornell fella can give it to me. Raven offers a word of caution. If you fuck with Davy Elrond, he will kill you. But Flint remains hard-headed. I'm not saying no, but without a good plan, we ain't gonna get far. Why the bloody hell do you think I brought you here? Groth's condition seems to be worsening, despite his delusion of good health. You know what makes me feel? A lot better. There's it's that'll be worked. Don't you worry about me, man. And now, Tog's beard, what the fuck? He's floating. Groth? Groth, buddy? Everything is about to change. Welcome back to the Reroll
2: Podcast.
0: This is it, guys. From here on out... What? This is a Pathfinder Second Edition podcast. Woo-hoo. Cancel your D and D subscriptions, and put on your already done thinking caps. <laughs> put your, your, Send yeah, a pile 4, of four thousand feats to learn to wizards of the Coast <laughs> yeah.
3: via express mail.
4: Legally, we're not actually advising you to do that, but it'd be really funny if you did.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it would if you commit to the bit. It'd be excellent.
0: We're not pro harassment and terrorism unless it's funny (laughs) uh we of course are not affiliated with the company paizo who publishes pathfinder second edition but i did want to say we're super excited to get to use their system we're very thankful they have uh, a mindset with their company that allows us to continue doing this without fear of repercussions or losing our intellectual property or anything so you know, if you're looking to jump into the fantasy tabletop role-playing uh, universe, Pathfinder is a great place to do it. I'm, I believe they have beginner boxes, all that stuff. Uh, again, we're not associated with Paizo, but uh, I have bought quite a few Pizo things at this point.
4: I must say that it is a pretty novel idea of, um, like, maintaining creative ownership over the things that you come up with.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's sort of yeah. a, a progressive ideal I can get behind. Right.
5: A special thank you, and you know who you are, who came to the Twitch event. Yes. We already spoke about it because we were speaking about it like it already happened, but it actually happened (laughs) for us at this point. (laughs) So, and it went great.
0: It was excellent. Thank you, everybody, of course, who swung by. We actually looked professional. It was awesome.
1: Did we, though? Hmm. I
0: mean... I had a 24 ounce beer in my hand. <laughs> not as personally, but the framework that Ale worked oh, very hard
4: Latara, on. fix your fix your mic. Oh,
1: what's wrong with it?
0: It's
4: pointed at your crutch.
1: <laughs>
4: Which, you know, I don't know what kind of sounds. It's know, but they're not quite the sounds that we're looking for. <laughs>
1: uh, you don't want any uh, queef noises,
0: or uh...
4: I mean, I, I think do, it would just but add that's to for the experience. The, that's for the Patreon. Don't give anybody that shit for
0: free. <laughs> Uh, my Pathfinder Good character day. only speaks in Queef. <laughs> <laughs> I believe we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and jump right into into this because we have a lot to get through. I believe where we last left off, we had Groth fixated on a fire that had turned blue, and the last thing that Groth felt was this ever persistent sort of searing agony fade from his mask that left him with this cold and empty feeling almost like a, a husk of of himself almost powerless however the rest of you saw a bit of a different scene you saw groth levitating uh, arms spread out and his head cocked back as magic began to swirl around him that's not fair. I want that one. <laughs> yeah, you in that. the to Watch somebody else eat Taco
2: Bell.
0: <laughs> yeah, Groth had a, one of those Mexican pizzas. It's worth <laughs> it. But we're going to go ahead and start with you, Groth. Your anxiety races, and the thumping of your heart echoes in your chest as you spin around in darkness, feet planted firmly on the ground. And you find yourself alone. Alone in an ancient, abandoned room. A place that is all but forgotten. At least to everybody but you. You, in fact, remember this place. This well. Intimately. Holy fuck. Holy fuck indeed. This is where your life changed forever. This is where you found Xarox, and by extension, Azroth. The heavy door swings open with impressive might as a gust of snow sweeps in from the mountaintop, dancing like petals on this old stone floor. A towering giant pushes through, his pale blue face obscured by a bronze helm ornately crafted into an intimidating glare. The giant warrior steps aside and gestures inward. A cloaked figure steps into this chamber, each footstep echoing down the uncovered well. He walks through you, Groth, like passing through a mist, before he removes his glove and places his bare gray hand onto the dusty rim of this pit. At last, he murmurs. The giant stands vigilantly at the entrance, scanning the room like an owl searching for mice in a field. He looks towards you and fixates for a moment, before the slight condensation that has been lingering over his right arm freezes instantly into a gauntlet of ice attached to a sharpened icicle spear. With fury, he bellows a war cry and launches this ten-foot-tall weapon at you. He is quick, far quicker than his size would lead you to believe and what would have been a fatal blow passes right through you and shatters into a burst of deadly shards. Do not waste your energy, my prince, Hogoth states, dropping his hood. Our guest is simply projecting, and to touch him one must be calculated and cautious. I wondered if your pathetic patron would bring you here or if their cowardice was too palpable. This should be something we share together, my little dragonbite. This should be our victory, not just mine. Firebeard, what are you- what are you doing? You can't- whatever
4: you're doing here, you can't do it.
0: Oh, but I can. And I will. The one thing you lacked Wrath The thing that has brought Me here and abandoned you Is ambition But I am not Heartless I still want you by my side And it is not too late Well I'm not truly By your side but You know I'll always Love you big man He very carefully Very cautiously Steps towards you and his enormous fingers, at least compared to everyone else you've met, gently touch the side of your cheek, and you can feel it through the mask, through the magic, and it's tender but hollow. It is too late for this world, Groth. All of the forgotten souls hunger to return, to remember. Zorox will give them what they crave, and it is too late for you to stop it. Might be for me, but I got a god that can kick your god's ass.
4: I'm a. I know it's not gonna do anything, but is gonna materialize. Is uh silver hammer in his hand and just it as hard as he fucking can in hogarth's chest
0: you go to materialize your weapon and they just don't come to you however back at the lab groth is now wielding his weapons as he is floating up having a magical seizure (laughs) fool hogarth says and he turns towards this deep well and un- unsheaths an ornate dagger, stained dark red with Flint's blood. He takes his hand and grips the blade, holding the closed fit over the pist. What? What?
3: I don't know. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Speaking of pist. Try to visualize what that means. <laughs>
0: and
2: not, not getting anything. I'm in the <laughs> well, Groth, <laughs> kissed Abby.
0: He takes his open palm and grips the blade, holding the closed fist over the pit, chanting,
2: NECRO um, Nos
0: FINALTO. He pulls the dagger and opens his palm, letting blood pour out, black with rot, into the well. Gusts of purple magic swirl at the feet of Hogoth and expand through the entire world.
2: We will meet again, little dragonbite.
0: Please, consider my offer if you do truly
2: still love me.
0: You know I always will. I'll never forget you, Hogarth. He looks at you sternly, but it is too late. The giant grips his spear tightly and braces himself. This dark forgotten chamber is filled with a magnificent and foreboding purple light that dances with flying shadows like little spirits funneling out of this well. A shockwave of concussive force throws you back into your body abruptly. And back at the lab, the rest of you see Groth slowly lower to the ground, pulsing, With a cascade of arcane energy.
1: Um, I think Star and I were inside when it happened. We were at the bar. Yeah.
0: Okay, so what, uh... Which I
1: assume is inside.
0: Yeah. You guys just drinking at the... Drinking at the bar while Grass having the time of his life?
3: (laughs) Yep. I assume we were probably, like, discussing something or other and, um... You know, hearing this commotion, I would expect us to probably both turn and are kind of watching in shock. At least that's that's how I picture it. But. Sure. Yeah. Or run outside if we hear a commotion. Oh yeah, sorry. For some reason, I thought the thing was inside. We're outside at the forge.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Flint, since seeing. Groth's weapons materialize and not understanding what's going on. He's got his weapons at the ready too, just kind of trying to figure out what we're doing.
5: Bo was trying to catch you as you were like falling, backing up and falling over like weapons, I think, that got knocked over. I don't know if I was able to catch you, but probably was in shock and probably would call out the name, at least Star's
3: name. Louis is also Like sitting somewhere, right? Because he got. I think back. Louis was there. Yeah. Louis yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but he just... tried to grab Groth and
0: got. Aussie. Yeah, he tried to grab Groth, Groth and got, yeeted.
3: Okay, cool. So yeah, I, I, it's, we, assuming we heard Bo, then I'm sure we ran out and we're like, what yeah. the ass is going on here? Saw the end of it. <laughs> what the ass <laughs> is <What>? going on? What <laughs> the double chocolate ass is happening?
0: And I think you do catch just the double chocolate ass of this. As you step out, and the moment you see Groth, the entirety of Rel shakes and rumbles with great upheaval. A massive beam of crackling purple energy erupts from the Kravnok Mountains, shattering a mighty peak. The magic pierces into the stratosphere as once dark clouds are ripped away and the sky itself cracks and fractures blue gives way to a dim dark purple that spreads like an infection blotting out the sun a translucent shockwave is quickly moving its way from the mountains towards you and before you even have much of a moment to react it hits everybody give me a reflex save yeah reflex it's pathfinder
5: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to do that Just kidding. Reflex.
0: Yeah, don't say that. I don't know if we're kidding.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I might not Not be kidding. Not my best. Okay. Oh, yeah, there it is. I'd like to take this rolling time here to uh, let everyone know to refresh your roll 20s, if you haven't, because I made the giant pussy an anime giant pussy.
0: (laughs) I don't even even have my roll 20 open.
3: (laughs) Good.
4: It's really important for the immersiveness of I the I just scene wanted to let you guys coming. know.
3: I worked really hard on it. Well, I think the
1: the <laughs> the purple sky is opening up into giant anime pussy. <laughs> it
2: truly is the end of the world. Oh,
3: <laughs> oh, I don't see the it. Don't the I prophecy see? has it's been far fulfilled. over to the right. Flint, you might Flint have to zoom out. drops
4: to his knees and raises his arms to the sky.
2: God?
3: <laughs> <laughs> God that is. I still don't see it. Oh,
5: okay.
0: God. What do you get for your saves, guys?
5: Uh, I'm going to go first. I got a natural <laughs> one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay.
0: All right. A good start. Yeah.
3: I'll go second. 25. Yay. <laughs> okay.
4: I'll go third. 30. <laughs>
3: 30. Good God. All right.
1: Remember, Pathfinder numbers are bigger. I
3: I know. Yeah, they're real big. Everything's bigger in Pathfinder. That should be their tagline.
1: I got a 19.
0: Okay. And I'll go 7th. I got a 15. Oh, sorry. Groth, you actually don't have to roll this save. You are unaffected by this concussive shockwave. Bullshit, As guess. this arcane energy that is surrounding you provides this barrier from it. Also, oh, um, you're
5: floating, so shockwave maybe wouldn't affect you. <laughs> is he still floating?
0: He is not floating. He he on no. the ground. Oh. Uh, so that is a critical success for you, Flint. Uh, you Thanks. receive no damage or pushback. Star, you had succeeded, so you don't take any damage but you are pushed back 10 feet kiaran you failed so you're gonna take eight bludgeoning damage and you were pushed back 30 feet and Bo, since you crit failed thank you
5: blow uh, b- b- blow blow Bo's <laughs> a flat earther and flies off that chair.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
4: i know it Everybody else gets pushed back. Bo just flies like 600 feet directly up into the air.
2: Okay,
0: so Bo, crit fail. Oh, you take nine bludgeoning damage and are pushed back 30 feet.
1: One okay. second. I forgot my armor has bulwark. Would this count as a avoiding a damaging effect, such as fireball?
0: Uh, sure, yeah.
1: So I actually got a, a 12. Not a 12. Add three. 22.
0: Okay, so you don't take any damage, but you're still pushed back ten. You're pushed back ten feet. Okay, thanks. Uh, but Bo, you took nine damage and are pushed back thirty feet. So yeah. So I like to think like this shockwave hits. Groth is completely unaffected. Flint, you are just sturdy, wielding your blade. Star, you brace yourself, but you and Kiaren and both are like thrown back into the bar. And then Bo, I think you're like thrown and slammed against the wall.
5: I think Bo was focusing on too many things at once, like trying to call out for star, trying to catch Flint, and also stumbling himself. So probably just got caught off guard
0: there. However, the second this shockwave hits all of you, your minds are thrown elsewhere. Except for you, Groth. You are... Grounded in reality. The rest of you, not so lucky. Flint. Your breath is shallow. Adrenaline courses through your veins. You can't remember much of who you are, but you remember your sword. Its beautiful golden hilt is sp- speckled with drops of blood. Your once white robes are stained a deep red, and outside the simple door of a clay hut in the scorching heat of the midday sun, you feel invigorated and justified. On the other side of this door is a man who has ruined your life, a soldier of the neighboring country Nyamis. The man who killed your son. You remember the last time you saw your boy, barely an adult. He was so proud of his spear and his uniform, ready to serve Ion with honor. And then you remember his corpse, mangled and ruined by violence, pecked by carrion birds. He was almost unrecognizable in the sea of dead. It ruined you. It ruined your life. Years and years of searching through foreign lands and living in filth and squalor driven only by vengeance and hate. The sword has finally brought you here. What do you do?
4: Yeah, this person will, after a moment to kind of collect themselves, stride forward, and push the door open.
0: The door swings open, startling a young man. Short hair and a rough stubble, he looks at you wide-eyed and yells, Who are you? In a language you've never heard before, Flint. Wait, is that your name? But somehow you completely understand him.
4: After a moment kind of passes. Say, um, you probably don't know who I am. You probably don't remember the person that's the reason that I'm here. So I'm going to make this really easy for you. Do you have any words before I take your life?
0: He falls to his knees, petrified. And seeing him so vulnerable in front of you fuels your hate and this burning desire for vengeance in your gut. But something unexpected happens. A child sprints out from a hiding place in this cramped home and grabs your enemy. Leave my father! Why are you doing this? She cries. And for the first time, as you look at the man who killed your son, you realize how young he is. He couldn't have... Been more than a year or two older than your own boy. Do what you will with me, please, but keep my daughter out of this. And he pushes the child to a distance, interposing himself between the two of you. Go now, Lua. Do not look, my child.
4: What do you do? <laughs> this person, uh, kind of like seeing the child is their their eyes kind of widen a little bit and they kind of realize like the situation that they're in and then after another moment passes um the sword just kind of like starts burning in their hand and where there once was like a moment of clarity in the act that they're about to commit there's now just this resurgence of burning hatred and this need for vengeance and the need to hurt this person as badly as possible and where their goal was once to just kill them and end it this newly found unsatiable need for vengeance and the need to inflict pain on this person kind of becomes clear turns and looks at the child and just says come here little one don't worry this will be over soon
2: Are you about to kill this kid?
4: <laughs> I, I I'm not doing it.
2: I don't know this person.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm painting a picture. The scene around you quickly turns to shadows. wisping away in a torrential hurricane of winds around you. Muffling all sound and all sights. All you see is the pale gray ground beneath your feet, for 30 feet in each direction, where these ethereal winds then cut off the rest of the world, and a man steps out of them. You recognize this spirit. This is the spirit that spoke to you when you first received the sword. And as
2: he steps forward, he says, You poor fool. That is a glimpse into my life. A life brought to me by that blade of yours. And you're damned to the same fate, my friend. Why are you here? Have you died?
0: I'm Flint again, right? Yes, you suddenly remember who you are, Flint. Though thoroughly confused, I believe. I... I
4: don't know. Where... where the hell am I? I... This feels wrong.
2: It is. It is a perversion. Your soul is the sword's. And it seems like you've passed through the veil. Am I dead? I believe so, young man. Or... Old man. It's hard to tell here. Tell me, dwarf. Did you kill the man you swore vengeance to? No, blood. I had... I was so close. I was so close to finding him. Be still. It makes little difference. Once you have the sword, Your soul is cursed to it. There is no way out. And as time passes... You will just be trapped here.
4: That can't be right. This is... This isn't real! G'roth! G'roth, get
2: me out of here!
0: and he takes three steps backwards and disappears into this ethereal wind. The winds close and close tighter and tighter and a feeling of claustrophobia washes over you and in your head,
2: you hear, Our time is through, Eardorff. This weapon is a curse. It will bring you ruin if you do not find a way out. Out, 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 out,
0: out. Starlit Moonbow. Your vision is blurred, and your mind is spinning. You go to take a breath, but instead, you inhale warm water. A moment of panic overwhelms you before suddenly sitting up, breaching this shallow water surface. Gasping for air, you begin to notice your surrounding surroundings as they come into focus, and you're laying in a shallow pool, shimmering a jade green. This place is intimately familiar. A beautiful haven. A spring, in the Feywild. The rocks are a marvelous blue. The grasses range from greens to pinks to oranges. And the flora is as vibrant as it is abundant. All of this, however, seems inconsequential. As the site you are fixated on is a satyr. Staring at you. Wide-eyed. Although malnourished, and worn, you still recognize your love, Faya. What do you do?
2: <gasps> <coughs> Fuck!
3: Where? Bo? Uh, Flint? Anyone? Uh, f- uh, Faya? What the? F- where where are we? Are you her? Are you dead? What the fuck is going on?
0: She flinches and recoils. And she says,
2: No, no, I'm not,
0: I'm not going to fall for this trick again. Stop it. I get, and she covers her ears and she's like, Get out of my head. Get out of my head. Get out of my head.
3: Not, no, 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 no. And Star's gonna walk over to her, sort of pulling herself out of this water. She's like, She goes to try and touch her, and I'll assume she probably flinches away, but Star will just fall to her knees, and she's like, No, it's me. It's. It's me. I. Where have you been?
2: Star? Star? Starlet? Starlet?
0: Is that you? And tears are streaming down her face.
3: She'll go to wipe away with her thumbs, and she's just got... She's holding Faya's head in her hands, and she's like, It's me. It's me. I'm so sorry I lost you. (sighs) What happened? Where are you? I've been looking for so long.
0: And... As your hand touches Faya's cheek, you feel her physical presence. If this is a trick, if this is a dream, it's one hell of a dream, and she takes her hand and places it over yours and says,
2: Star, I, 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 I'm so sorry, they took me,
0: they've been, and Seeing her in this light, this beautiful, brilliant, midday light of the Feywild, you notice scars, you notice malnourishment, you notice mistreatment. She's like,
2: they took me deep, deep underground. There There were spiders everywhere. There These these elves, they're just pale and and cruel and and they just wanted into the Feywild and they tortured me and tricked me. Star, please. Don't let me go back.
3: Star, like as she's starting to cry, just will scoop her up into her arms, like into a very very tight hug. She's like fucking Dole Elves. I'll kill all of them. I will fucking kill every single one I see. I'm so sorry. Fire, where are you? Tell me how I can find you.
0: I...
2: I don't know anymore.
0: Roll a perception check.
3: No! God damn it. That's too much for me. <laughs> 17.
0: 17, excellent. You notice, in the distance, the realm around you is falling apart. Small pieces of the forest in the background are breaking off and turning into wisps of shadow, and you realize you don't have much time left
3: fuck no no I don't I need more time Faya Faya you need to listen to me right now I will find you I'm traveling through a small town it's called Brambleton if you can find your way there just be careful I will come and find you I will I promise I'll never leave your side again I just have to find you I'm so sorry.
0: And pieces of fauna start breaking off of this spring and are whisked away into the shadows. And you hold on as long as you can. And the last thing Faya says is, I love you. Faya herself fades away. And you begin to freefall in the darkness. Freely and swiftly, you plummet towards what seems to be nothingness. You continue on and continue on until you hit something, almost like breaking the surface tension of the sea, before continuing to fall even faster through a strange, otherworldly plane of existence. Tall pinkish white crystals stand like trees in the forest on aisles floating through this odd interdimensional realm. Stars shimmer in the distance of this infinite space, and the wind here blows with a light blue hue. Your hands shift and distort with these arcane magics, and this painful mutation of your form is taking place, and faster and faster you continue to fall. Roll me another perception
2: check.
3: Motherfucker. Eleven. I think Star is just, her her tears are clouding her. And, like, just what just happened to her being with Faya is is just too much for her. And she's like, ah, fuck!
0: I think that's fair. And I think in this despair through this freefall, you can't really see much of anything. But you hear something. Something big can't make it out, but there's some sort of obscured form that you see through your tears that's this large gray mass that is leaping between these floating aisles seemingly focused on you with an alarming intensity. But once it gets close enough, you see what it is, indescribable. But I'll try my best. This monster has two crab-like claws, crushing stone and crystal alike as it closes the distance on you, moving with remarkable precision in this impossible landscape. It roars a bizarre cry from its jagged mouth agape in the center of its torso, finally closing the distance, seconds before cleaving you cleanly in two with its claw.
3: Fuck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think probably right at that sort of... As it's coming toward her, I think she's scrambling for her weapons, anything she can find, her dagger, her bow, something, only to realize it's not there. And she, as she sees this thing coming towards her, and it's going to cleave her, she says, No, I, I just found her again. I need time.
0: But again, you hit something like breaking through the surface tension of the sea.
3: I'm gonna cry. Fucking a, <laughs> that was really good. Thank you.
0: Yeah, that was
4: fucking excellent.
3: Star wants me dead.
4: <laughs> yeah. Right.
3: Yeah, you don't know that she wants you dead. Specifically. <laughs> you said just all dill that you see of,
4: of your kind. She just does. Need to die, she but, did. You
3: know. But I mean, she's also she's not thinking clearly. She just saw the love of her life <laughs> yeah, like you. You yeah. have no idea anything about yeah, that. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Don't I worry. have not not gained your trust yet. <laughs>
5: you have not, but... Karen's gonna
2: be like, are you okay?
5: <laughs> I like how those yups are so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs>
3: We're
4: good, man. We're fine. Just, okay. She's like looking fine, at the elf
0: Bane but... dagger like... <laughs> I'll take first watch. when chance of sleep? The
1: elf Bane dagger, too. <laughs> oh my gosh.
4: This could be a good, like, like, villain origin story for Star's Turn to the Dark Side. <laughs>
3: I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes.
0: Next.
2: <laughs> As this forceful wave hits you and sends you flying, Bo, you
0: shield your eyes reactively. And after you land, your ears ring for a moment but quickly fade into silence. Looking up, you're no longer in this sort of place you might have called home you're instead in very shallow water obscured by some sort of radiant white fog all around you and the only thing you can see is the beginning first few steps in a massive black marble staircase but you cannot see where it leads to what do you do?
5: I think that Bo is like waking up floating on his back and eyes just kind of slide open and he's in this weird calm like there's you could either completely freak out or you could kind of accept what's going on and in this kind of blank state of not understanding and being confused just kind of accepts the staircase as as it is maybe it's a symbol maybe this is a dream maybe like still i imagine there's maybe some kind of recollection of what was but maybe not maybe it just doesn't matter and he starts to climb the steps
0: You take this first step onto this magnificent staircase and immediately you feel lighter, unburdened. You notice your armor is gone. In fact, all of your equipment is gone except for a strange burgundy robe and your prayer beads.
5: As he climbs the steps, he's fidgeting with the prayer beads as he would um as they're swinging by his side and a unimportant thought of how light he feels and how his clothes aren't wet just kind of comes to mind as he keeps climbing
0: and you climb and climb and climb up this proverbial mountain seemingly for hours or has it been days Every step is harder, and not just the physical exhaustion of climbing staircase after staircase, but the mental strafe as well. You begin to feel almost as if you're going mad, wandering thoughts turn to daydreams, then daydreams into hallucinations, and this radiant fog that surrounds you manipulates itself accordingly, seemingly at will of your thoughts. You think of Edinburgh. A home lost to time, and you can see it in this mist. You think of your parents, Carmen and Leo, tending a garden with you, and the haze mirrors this memory to uncanny accuracy. Then, as if it knows your thoughts before you do, the loving vision fades, and is replaced by scene of study and training under an astute mentor. You see Vesserin, shipping rapidly now and going faster, the visions come quicker and quicker, scenes of you sparring, scenes of you studying, scenes of you laughing. You see a wagon carrying a drunken dwarf and yourself headed to Brambleton. You see an intense battle with Hogoth, a man manipulating on death, and you see yourself propping up starlight, watching Shadow disappear into the distance with the Inquisitor, until finally, You see yourself at this very moment. A perfect reflection in front of you that stops you on the final step. What do you do?
5: Wait, there's like a a shadow?
0: It's like a perfect, like a mirror of yourself.
5: Oh. Probably raise a hand up and see if it mirrors my actions and try to touch the timber timber tips, the thing, (laughs) (laughs) the fingertips to my own.
0: And you slowly bring them up and the fingertips meet the mirror image and it shatters. And you break through this fog and you realize It is an infinite sea of clouds spreading in every direction and above you, a radiant sun, showering you with warmth and comfort. Continuing up a few more steps outside of this mist, you're in awe of the sight before you. A colossal scale stands at the top of this monolith. You know, the kind with that Lady Justice holds, the two. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It's this beautiful obsidian black with a white gold trim and an angelic figure in similar burgundy robes stands in front of it, their hair silver and flowing in a gentle breeze. They smile softly at you. And again, it feels like a ray of sunshine on a summer day. Their eyes glow with a passionate orange accenting their radiant golden skin, and wings of a eagle keep them slightly afloat. Bocantrell, you have finally made it. We have much to
2: discuss.
5: Uh I'm sorry I didn't know I was expected. I don't I didn't know. How to get here?
0: Give me a perception check.
5: Ooh, rolling good tonight. 17. It's not very good.
0: That's that's enough to notice that these giant scales are slowly beginning to sag and lean to the left. And this figure says, "Bo."
2: You may be the only mortal who is not dead to witness the scales of Cosmios. It's okay to take a moment and appreciate its beauty. But I i
0: must warn you, our time is limited.
5: Beau's eyes glint with fascination, not realizing that anything Cosmios could be actualized in a, in a visual way and to be able to see that, that this could be some, like an actual representation of something that he's really grown to.
0: And I can't overstate its beauty and its wonder. It's its truly, it's the size of a castle, if not larger.
5: Kind of shaking off the, the blankness and the unimportance of symbolism at, with the, that the stairs and this whole thing took in the beginning um, he immediately needs to see what's on one on, on each side of the scale which sounds like maybe there's only one thing
0: but on one side of the scale is these shadowy sort of spirits and soul while on the other side is like a luminescent and the shadowy side is is diminishing and diminishing and diminishing, and the luminescent is sort of joined by these strange purple spirits, as well as it's beginning to just shift the balance completely. And this figure says,
2: things are now in motion, Bo.
0: Things that could bring an
2: end to the balance that we know. Life and death, as you know, is a delicate ecosystem,
0: and something is threatening that ecosystem.
2: Do you know why you are here, my son? To serve Cosmius. No, it is more than that. You are here to serve
0: us all, Cosmios, me, yourself, your friends, everyone who's ever been and ever will be. Beau Cantrell,
2: you are the chosen one, for you alone have the power to guide. This group of ragtag
0: unfortunate heroes to where they need to go. But in order to restore balance to all of the realm, you must restore balance to your friends and yourself. Garoth is engaged in a struggle of gods and monsters. He alone possesses the key to defeating
2: Zorox. Flints is a troubled soul,
0: struggling himself, but his tenacity and his drive will give heart, and, well, it's a balancing act. He will be there to make the decisions that are hard for the other ones to make. Starlet is driven by love, but that love and passion can easily turn to hate and pain.
2: You must be there. Chiaran, a product of pure evil, but a good heart. It's
0: uncertain if she will return like the rest of you, for her soul is the one truly in danger now, and shadow, shadow is the key, the key to separating and repairing the damage done. Without any of these components, there is no saving this realm. And without you to bring them together, we have nothing. And at this point, the great scales above you began to really, really shift heavily. The sea of clouds submerging this monolith began to rumble and slowly grow darker. It has begun, child. We are out of time, and you are our last best hope to stop this. Zorox threatens to destroy the balance of life and death, light and darkness. There will be no more love, loss, happiness, melancholy, excitement, or fear. Only perpetual hunger and dread. Before you bring balance to this realm, and a thunderous rattle brings this massive crack crawling up the base of the scale. This angelic, beautiful creature touches you. You must bring balance to yourself. There are spirits that need to be laid to rest. Go back to see your parents. And you close your eyes.
5: A last thought crosses over Bo's mind, and that's that Cosmos is in us all, but yet I stand alone.
0: Cosmios is within us all, yet I stand alone. I like that.
1: I thought you were going to say these ragtag sluts. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs>
0: I should have. Fuck. <laughs> you ready, Lotara? Nope. kiaren a snap like a whip cracking in air rings out as you find yourself free falling through the sky for thousands and thousands and thousands of feet you continue to drop and your breath escapes you until you begin to fade in and out of consciousness The world grows dark and cold, and color starts to fade until you are stopped abruptly. A vast, intricate web breaks your fall, bending with its force and vibration back and forth and back and forth. Its adhesive nature clings to your body, dozens, if not hundreds of spiders of different shape and size flood to you and crawl all over your skin, creeping its way underneath the creases in your armor, going into your boots and getting caught in your hair.
2: No,
1: no, I can't go back. I try to pull my
0: sword. You try as you might, but the more you struggle, the more you adhere to this, and this is, well, This is like Nykotav, but a hundred times darker and worse and more dreadful.
1: I think that Kiaran just lets out an ear-piercing scream.
0: And this scream ripples through the darkness and is met with equally matched screams, dozens of them, hundreds of them, all over, behind you, in front of you, on top of you, under you. These spiders have no fear, and they're aggressive, and tiny fangs are sinking into you over and over, different venoms combining into painful, nauseating sensation. Screams and sobs echo and fade from the darkness that seem to mimic and mirror you. Poor fools suffer and are fed upon by arachnids the size of men and horses. Despite this cacophony of despair, one thing is constant in this forsaken place. The soft, malicious hymn of a maiden emanating from an ungodly abomination.
2: Little fly, little fly, beg for mercy and turn your insides upside down.
0: An arachnid with a body the size of a city, and a beautiful face with cobwebbed black hair. This unmistakable, unfathomable horror is Deavara, the Maiden of Spiders demon lord of the pit. Her thousands of human eyes on an otherwise magnificent face see all. Your spine chills as her gaze meets yours. You close your eyes to escape this horror.
1: I think when Karen closes her eyes, the image that comes to her is Corvin, the one that uh, called himself her father, or liked to think that, and just tries to focus
3: and bring calm to her.
0: And as you try to wash yourself over with calm in this dreadful situation, you find yourself almost by instinct going to swap places with your Echo. And after you've shadow-swapped, an ability you've become to be an expert in, you find yourself somewhere completely different. This form in the past has only allowed you to be transported a short distance. But this is... elsewhere entirely. A place that couldn't be more different than the horrible place you just were. Where perpetual darkness was obscured by vast webbing. Here, light touches your skin without discomfort. For the first time in your life, you feel the warmth of the sun. A hallway of porcelain beauty and astounding murals capture this magnificent scene. And you look out between these white gold pillars on each side of you and see a sea of mesmerizing clouds painting a plethora of vibrant colors with the sun setting behind it. A small group of soldiers march past you quickly, bright color- brightly skinned humanoids with shades of different radiant colors, luminous. They look somewhat like, Beau. Kiaran Nimone, the sadistic, my, my, that is quite a name. You certainly know how to make an advocate's job difficult, I'll say. <laughs> a floating creature with golden metal wings buzz around this brilliant ball of light, and it sort of <laughs> swings around you as it, it almost hums a melody just in its existence. I am Varsai, and I will be your representative, uh, Kiaren? pleasure to hold the acquaintance where where are we oh I am so sorry forgive my ignorance we are in Celestia plane of the gods
1: Devara she's close
0: (laughs) no 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 couldn't be farther away Uh, you look spooked you must have seen her crazy woman
1: yes yes far away good how do I get home
0: Oh, Kiaren, I am so sorry. It is not going to be that easy. But it is quite magnificent, your particular situation, uh, Miss Nimune. It seems somehow your soul has been nearly severed into two. Isn't that fascinating?
1: <laughs> fascinating? Uh, no, it's... uh I can blame myself and my family for that one.
0: Your vision starts blurring again, and everything gets fuzzy, and suddenly your body is ripped back through places unfathomable, and you are back in the intricate web of the Maiden of Spiders, and despair swells in you like a bloated fly. A horrific spiderling spliced with a nude woman hangs overhead. Her otherwise human face dripping venom from her mandibles as they click together in this erratic sort of. It slowly descends to you.
1: No, I got away.
0: This creature, an abomination that seems to delight in your suffering, places its arachnid legs around you and begins to spin you, restraining you in this web and then a flash of light blinds you, distorting and instantaneous you're back in the company of Versailles I
1: grab onto him tight
0: oh hey do it hey you're pretty heavy these wings are very delicate please stop, we're in court, behave yourself
1: no, don't, don't let me go. I can't go back.
2: Shh, the judge does not
0: like be interrupted. And looking up, you see this mutable stone centaur standing on this sort of pillar, looking down at you. And Forsythe buzzes ahead and is like, is like, are you well, Miss Nimoye? I'm just
1: kind of looking around and trying to get my bearings.
0: And this stone centaur speaks and says,
2: Kiara Nimone, the sadistic. Devara has
0: made claim on your soul. And Forsyth zips up again and is like, I, we have already bit over this uh, celestial judge, your honor that soul was meant to be different soul ripped apart from this person Uh, by the graces of Emon the redeemer we believe she deserves a chance at redemption Kiaran say something
1: redemption what do you mean my soul Devara has claim to it (laughs)
0: <laughs> what I think my client is trying to say is, uh, she's very redeemable. Lemon has, uh, caught eye on her, and, uh, if, if she can redeem herself, be one of the very few of the Zedola that has ever done this. Am, am I right, Kiarin?
1: I... can redeem myself?
0: The Celestial Judge says... Whether this soul can be redeemed is not a question, it is whether it has been. And Vorsai buzzes around you and says, I know
2: this is hard for you, Kiaren. You are going to have to go back, but keep fighting. And, uh, hey, I have it
0: on pretty good authority. You got uh, your friends, you know, you got some good friends really tied in with some tight people in Celestia. But hold on. And with that, you are ripped back into the terrible embraces of the Maiden of Spiders. (laughs) And we'll see you guys next time god damn
3: my god damn it fuck my life podcast (laughs) I feel like I'm forgetting
0: something though
4: Nah, couldn't be that important if you forgot
0: yeah what was it it's
4: crunch isn't it
0: (laughs) no but you know who it is
3: shadow oh wait what
0: (laughs) (laughs) an uncomfortable silence hangs in the air broken into perfect little intervals by a ticking clock. This child's room feels hollow, despite being filled with simple wooden toys and a pink linen bed set. Clearly, Shadow has outgrown this place. She sits, staring across the room at a well-dressed nobleman, a man she has always simply known as Father. You've been sitting here for some time in silence, What do you do?
1: My goodness, I don't even know, like, how Shadow got here and what happened so far. Um, did he just enter the room? Or is this like, did she, like, black out like the others?
0: Nope, this is just, you've been in this room for a while. This is your familiar room.
1: When do I get to go out and play again? Did I not prove myself?
0: Patience, child. Silence keeps passing by. Tick. 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 Do you feel that, darling? It's almost time. Give me... Oh, an occultism check
1: to pull out Shadow's character sheet. One second. Good thing I finished it. Okay, occultism. Hmm, not a great roll. Uh, 18. Pretty
0: mediocre. You can't quite put a finger on it, but the hair on the back of your neck does stand up. And the room begins to shake violently. A wooden horse toy rattles off the bedside table and shatters. But Shadow, you feel eerily calm. Your eyes grow heavy and suddenly, despite your best efforts, they close. Instead of this prison disguised as this empty hollow child's room, you find yourself on this pale yellowish bridge. The sky is a deep green, and the horizon is destitute and endless. A massive, dark-feathered bird perches on a towering plateau, watching over what must be hundreds of thousands of shadowy spirits as they meander across this bridge all around you. A palace of pure shade looms at the end of this pathway, gothic spires piercing up into the sky. A voice that carries like a whisper calls for you.
2: Little Shadow, why have you come here?
1: I don't know. Did Killam bring me?
2: I do not know. But you are not meant to be in the Vale.
1: It's pretty fun going places I'm not meant to be.
2: No, child. No. Where are your friends? Where is your father?
1: I hope my friends are okay.
2: Are you well?
1: She pinches herself. Does does she feel anything?
2: <laughs> it feels like a pinch.
1: Yeah, I think I'm okay.
0: <sighs> Suddenly, a loud pierces your ears <laughs> dazing all these forlorn souls momentarily as they wretch out this horrible wail the carrion bird flaps its wings towards the palace and less than a moment later this plane of existence erupts into an earthquake a swirling whirlpool of dark purple energy cracks in the sky above the structure as the great avian creature circles it Spirits suddenly, violently, are ripped up towards the sky and disappear into this whirlpool. Screams of fear and pain sing a cacophonic symphony.
2: You must go now, little shadow. Please, do not return, for the warden will not let you leave again. Go now and remember... I will always love you, my daughter.
1: Mother?
0: And you open your eyes. Back in your room. Though it looks like a hurricane has swept through. Father is a mess. But he stands up. Long, sleeked back hair. Black hair. Just disheveled as he pulls it. Tightly and re-ties his ponytail. What did you see? And we'll pick this up next time on the reroll podcast.
4: Fucking amazing job, everybody! That was oh, excellent, really fucking yeah. cool, excellent, uh, excellent great fucking kickoff. Yeah. Uh, Tanner, Jesus Christ, how long are you working on all that? Um, yeah.
0: A year. 14
1: minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, like the second it ends, it's like, oh, I should
5: have played that differently. <laughs> That's as You're working fun. on it. You're working like, on it for a year, so you made up the OGL thing so that you could do this.
0: I, I my <laughs> the OGL. Uh, <laughs> you texted Wizards of the Coast, and you're like, "Hey, you know what you cool. should do, guys? Take
4: everybody's stuff. <laughs> Alienate your entire fan base. It'll play into my uh, my story that I'm writing." Like, real
2: good.
3: Um, <laughs> I got a total money scheme for you. This will probably never happen, but if we ever get to an endgame game and stars with Faya and whatever. Um, she's going to ask Roth to make a crown for her that looks kind of like this.
2: Oh, that's awesome. I can't really see, but
3: there's like a little swirl on top too. I'm kind (laughs) of modeling it after my super kick-ass ring. Oh, cool. Yeah. We'll go
0: ahead and put that crown on, uh, in our discord, uh, when this episode drops. Thank you for listening to the Reroll podcast. The world of Rel and all characters within are copyright and fictitious. Any similarities to persons, living or dead, or actual events are purely coincidental. Reroll Gaming uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Inc. Used under Paizo's community use policy, we are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. Reroll Gaming is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Inc. and Paizo products, visit paizo.com. Want to follow us on social media? Listen to another episode, or send us hate mail? Check out our link tree for all our info. You can find that link in the episode description. Big thanks to Tabletop Audio for producing quality RPG music and ambiance that we can use in our games. The Reroll main theme and all character themes are copyright gearing. The Chronicles of Rail theme and Frequency theme are copyright Tanner Prentice. Please consider donating to our Patreon or Ko-Fi if you liked our content. We are hell-bent on making more, and with your support, we can make a lot more and leave us a review wherever you heard this episode. New episodes every Monday at 12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. See you then.